0: Hi, wrestling fans, this is Mr. Number One George South, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D.
1: Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey,
2: ladies and gentlemen! Welcome, welcome, welcome! Once again, live in color, Wolfie D. You know who I am, I think. And uh, if you don't by this point, I don't know what to tell you. And then I got Jimmy across the street over here with me. If you don't know him by now, I'm not sure what to tell you either. either First time listener, and somebody is holding a gun to your head and making you listen, or uh, maybe somebody that you like is going to be on the show today. And who doesn't like George South,
1: Jimmy? Seriously, who does not like George South? Oh, Honestly, I don't get it. He he even talks about people that I didn't think really had a great personality liking him. So I mean George dude is just a great just a great wrestler and just a legend. And yeah. I mean, we're like a Barry Horowitz down now. We've we've had Reno, George South, <laughs> yeah. you know, Tony Falk. We 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 got a few guys of the enhancement guys, but we're we got Barry Horowitz up. But anyway, gotta yeah. get him soon. But yeah, George South, man stories for days so yep. many opportunity I, I honestly just can't wait to talk to him. there's a story about well i'll let him tell it but there's an excellent story about hair versus hair matches that i cannot wait for him to tell and okay. yeah yeah he's great
2: <laughs> okay, so i'll be i'll be listening for that one when you ask it yeah uh, but yeah, man, this is this is cool that we got him on here. Uh, like you said, what a great guy, uh, a man of God, very very uh, big into his faith, and we appreciate that. And uh, I will watch my mouth. Anybody that listens to this show frequently knows I I can have a potty mouth, so. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to watch my mouth.
1: You know what's funny is my brother even said that he's going to let my niece and nephew listen to the show. (laughs) It'll be the first time ever. So, hey, Paisley. Hey, Paxton. (laughs) But anyway, no. George is great. You're right. So strong in his faith. You know, so just absolutely, just he's just he's like one of a kind. Yeah. They they really don't make it anybody lot, like him. This says
2: a lot about the boys. You think you know you go to the gimmick table and you're out there to hustle everybody and make some money. When you know, of course, he's doing that as well. But as many people know, George brings Bibles that he gets from the Goodwill that people have donated or whatever, and he hands out Bibles at the matches. You know, that's he's not just concerned about making his gimmick money. Uh, he's he's spreading the word of his Lord and Savior, so you yeah. gotta say a lot about that,
1: you know what I mean? It does, man, it really does, and you know, I'm just stoked to be able to talk to him so glad we hooked that up, gotta give a quick shout out to Insane Shane Martin he helped bridge the gap that we were needing there, thank you Shane for that, we got an action figure George South coming out soon, not sure on the date probably be a little bit down the line, but we definitely wanted to bring George on yeah. and talk a little bit about that, but more about everything he's done, one thing I got it. We, we're passing up here, and and we, we want to get on with the show, so I'm not going to waste too much time. But we just had our 100th episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, receiving great reviews, by the way. I do want to update one more thing. Our 99th episode guest, Kevin Lawler, by this airing, will be number three all time on the list. Nice. So it it really is the Dundees versus the Lawler now. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, isn't it? And that's a which yeah. give you some props here. Uh,
2: give me back my pro wrestling seems to be doing pretty good. I know you've been focusing a lot. You know we had the Wild Boys on here, and I know you've been focusing a lot on the uh, the '90s Tennessee uh, Outlaw scene and bringing a lot of those guys in. Man, and I know you've had some good numbers with them, and now the door getting beat down. People wanting to come on, so that's that's good, man. That your uh, your other show is doing very well too.
1: Oh, thanks for the plug, Wolfie D. That means a lot, brother. Yeah, it's doing great, man. We we just kind of, you know, we we were trying to, you know, like so many podcasts that are kind of like So many podcasts of that level kind of sometimes are either focused so much on new stuff or they focus, you know, on a specific topic all the time. And I just thought, man, why not let these guys talk? And then had Jeff Daniels on. Great response to that. Shane Morton came on, blew the doors off. Hot Rod Biggs. So, I mean, we've had some great guys. Just had Kroll. We've got Quentin Charisma just dropped last week. And then we got your buddy Rick Reynolds coming up. So, yeah. yeah. That's good, man. times
2: yeah he'll he'll knock me to death that'll be a good show for you
3: (laughs) 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 Uh, no no
2: let's uh let's get george south on here and, and talk to george man
1: more importantly let's get george we'll be right back after these messages
2: Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash LiveWolfie D. Check it out.
1: If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All
2: right, folks, we're back. And as promised, what an incredible guest we have today uh mr george south is on here with us we've been we've been trying to get this one done for a while uh, uh and we finally got the the planning we've talked about all that on here before about how it's tough sometimes to get me and jimmy on the right time schedule and then the guest right. and, and and we finally got george south on here george how are you doing today sir man
0: wilson thank you so much uh you and jimmy i'm doing so great i i've been very excited Uh, this weekend to get it out of the way so we could do this thing. So, buddy, I'm ready. I uh, uh, I just, you know, uh, people laugh at me, buddy, because I go, uh, uh, I'm so old school. I actually go to a library and get on their computer. Like, I I don't even own the TV. You know, I don't want one. I don't even want one. So, uh, five minutes on the computer this morning, some old guy I've never met, he calls (laughs) me old. Okay, oh, now, now, buddy, listen, you, you can you can smack me, you can take my biscuit away, but brother, when you call me old, especially when I've never met you, Right. so I let loose on him this morning, okay, so, so oh. I'm going to calm down before we do this, I'm thinking. <laughs> brother, I know I'm old, but I'm having the greatest time of my life, so just shut up, you know? You are,
5: yeah, <laughs> you are. Man,
0: but tell anyway, you, I
3: it
5: just
0: buddy, so I let him, you know, hunt. Everybody says, well, you're a good Christian man. You need to turn the other cheek. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ain't turning no other cheek, buddy.
2: I'm okay. No. Hey, well, I he, he, he fired me up already, man. Yeah. So I think it was the I think this was the first time I ever met you. Obviously, as a kid growing up, I remember you know uh, TBS and seeing you on there, uh, right. and and I knew you was a, a really good wrestler. I, I knew that just as a Thank as a young kid, I could always, you know, I I I, I want to say kind of like I was a smart mark before it was a thing. Right. <laughs> so right. I kind of I kind of knew that that you were really good. But, but I'm gonna tell you at uh it was at uh, Maryville, Tennessee and it was for Dutch Mantel's uh granddaughter um it was a right. benefit show and you, and you were on that and I was on that and I remember watching, you know, I think me and Tom Pritchard were standing uh, at the back there and the crowd I, from what I remember, you know, a benefit crowd can be kind of, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the, the, not as uppity as the regular wrestling crowd and, and not as loud, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna tell you something, man. When I, when I watched you go out there and, and Jimmy, I'm telling you this too. I might've told you this story, but George went out there and I forgot who you worked, but you went out there and milked, taking off your jacket for about 15 minutes. And (laughs) those people were going crazy, man. And that's when I I, I looked at Tom and I said, man, he's good.
0: (laughs) Oh, I appreciate that. I I tell you, I learned that years ago from them old, them old heels and and people think just because the bell hadn't run, don't mean that we're not working. Right. Uh, Right. Well, see, you know that people don't understand it. They think, well, man, he's been out here 30 minutes and I want to kill him. But they hadn't, they hadn't even rung the bell, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it, it, I love nights like that. That I, I remember that so much because uh, Dirty White Boy was there too, and and it may have been who I was working, and he wanted to be, uh, he wanted to be the heel, me being the bay face. But I went out there and changed it like real quick, like right <laughs> in the ring, <laughs> and he still laughs. He said, wait a minute. I said, no, no, I'm going to get these people to hate me real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know the opposite of that? Hey, Jimmy, the opposite is if if they tell me to leave my jacket on, I take it off. Right, of course. (laughs) Yeah. And then then that makes them mad. Yeah. Yes. I said, hey, I got this figured out. (laughs)
2: That kind of that kind of stuff is like a lost art in the wrestling business, you know. And and you know, know, Wilkie, I know you've had this happen.
0: I've had my backs turned while I'm working the jacket and I've had some young baby face come over and start hitting me in the back of the head. You know? Because they're tired of it. Right. I said, no, no, no. Get off of me. Get off of me. Yeah. But you got you gotta smart him up too. I said you, you know, you're the long ranger. You never hit nobody from behind. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> goodness gracious.
2: But yeah, that was uh, that was the first time I think I thank met you. you. And uh, that was just for me. It was just memorable, just because I knew in my head, you know, at that point in my career, that man, that that's a heck of a worker right there. They can sit thank there and do so that. with that yeah, that you. type of crowd. That uh, th- I mean, it seemed like throughout the night they were just kind of kind of dead. But you you brought them right. up by not taking your jacket off, and I remember
0: that's right, buddy. And, <laughs> and, and and you know, it's funny because I <laughs> will have fans wanting to kill me. I don't never. I've never cussed them I never yeah. threatened them. I can just uh, do something with that jacket and they'll want to kill me. Uh, yeah. And and I just, man, I, all those years of just watching, you know, these old hills like black Jack Mulligan and all those guys, man, how they, you know, I remember Johnny Valentine would just look at people and yeah. he wouldn't say a word. He would just look up in the crowd and people would throw something
2: at yeah. Him. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Who would you say were your major influences on uh, like just the type of wrestler you are?
0: Well, guys, of course, growing up here around the, you know, uh, Mid-Atlantic area, you know, and, uh, you know, as a kid, I, I just happened to turn on the television, uh, Wolfie, at 10 years old, and I saw Wahoo McDaniels and Paul Jones against the Anderson brothers. Wow. And, man, I'd never seen wrestling in my life. It, it used to come on, you know, Channel Three here in Charlotte every Saturday, and, man, I got hooked. Yeah. And And I tell you, I didn't know – I didn't know you could go to the live matches. I just saw something that was just the greatest thing I ever seen in my life. And then I here in Charlotte, you could go every Monday night and see these guys live. And and man, I yeah. would I would man. I remember one time I would I didn't even have a lawnmower, but I would go borrow more and go cut people these folks' yard to get money to buy my wrestling ticket. Awesome. And, and and guys, I was such a big mark. I remember the first match i ever went to i had the ticket in my hand and and fans won't remember this but you used to carry a ticket in and the old lady would take it and tear it in half and uh i remember well see i stood there at that little turn the thing, turntable thing for like 30 minutes arguing with this old lady because she's trying to take my ticket you know <laughs> and i'm thinking hey honey wait a minute i just i just cut four yards <laughs> and i ain't even like Seen Wahoo McDaniels yet? You ain't taking my
3: ticket. So I
0: got arrested at ten years old because I thought you were taking my ticket. So oh, we're gonna give it back. We're gonna give it back. But then you know to to get to know Paul Jones, who uh, he just recently passed away a couple years ago. But he was my favorite, like uh, like as a young man. And then I got to know him and to know Wahoo and and what did it for me, guys? It sounds crazy. Is I wrote here is how our business has changed. The, the TV shows used to give you an address where you could write uh, uh. your favorite wrestler.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: so I did, I just simply sit down, you know, 10, 11 years old. I wrote Paul Jones a letter, how much I loved him and wished I could <laughs> be a wrestler. And he, I'm not making this up guys. About three weeks yeah. later, he wrote me back.
3: Really?
0: I mean, well, he didn't, it wasn't one of his people, you know, that just stamped a picture. He, right. he sent me a black and white eight by 10 autograph. And I still have it to this day, if you can believe it, uh, oh, wow. man. And, and I just thought, man, if this man realized they were human, right. I mean, they, yeah. to me they were superheroes. But these wrestlers, if he took time. And at that time, man, he was working Florida. He was working Texas. He was all over the place, but he took time to write me a letter. And I thought, man, if I if I wasn't in love with pro wrestling, then uh, uh, buddy, by then, and I tell you what's yeah. funny is. Like, right now, I don't even know where my kids are, right? But I know where that autographed picture of Paul Jones is, Wolfie. I'll tell you that. I can't even my car keys. But, brother, I know where i will tell you where that picture is. So, man, I just fell in love with those guys. You know, I, you hear guys say that they helped setting a ring up and, you know, selling popcorn. Well, anything that I could do to be around pro wrestling at a young age, uh, I, I did it. And loved every and minute of it. How old were you when you started training? Well, you, you know, of course, back then, well, see, there was no wrestling schools. You know, now right. everybody's got a ring. I mean, I yeah, here in the Carolinas, there's people got them set up in their backyards. Yeah, for yeah. heaven's sake,
3: and amen. You know, you,
0: right. you know, Jim, you can buy them on the internet, but of course, back in the day, you the the biggest difference is back in the day, the old timers they didn't want you in this business. Right, like they felt like, and you know, this would be that you're going to take my spot or my job. So, exactly. anything they could do to change your mind, they would do it. Yeah. And, and I, uh, if you can believe this, I was 17 years old, get me turn 18. I was working at a little warehouse, uh,
3: mm-hmm. just
0: an old cotton mill warehouse, and opened up the newspaper, and it just had like a little ad, and it just said, "Do you want to be a pro wrestler?" Mm-hmm. And I thought you got to be kidding me! Man, I thought it was going to be hard for so stupid me <laughs> on the ride down to this old warehouse, and and I told with people. I said it looked like a building out of an old Scooby Doo cartoon. I mean, the windows <laughs> were broke out of it, and the, uh, the doors were hanging on the hinges, and man, I just walked in, yeah. and of course, it was an old green, and there was this real old timer named Rusty Roberts. He lives up there in Tennessee now, but. He, it was okay. him and, and a lady, an older lady wrestler, and this Samoan. And when I walked in, they just stopped. And they said, can we help you? And, you know, here's this stupid, you know, uh, 17-year-old kid. I said, well, I want to do this. And they said, well, okay. And then I thought, man, this is like the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> so stupid, stupid me stepped in this ring, and for the next two hours, they, they, they about killed me. Oh, I mean, buddy, they, I remember they, they knocked one of my tooth out. They broke my nose. They tore my clothes off of me. And I, I, I mean, they, cause like I said, the object was, oh yeah, you may want to do this now, but when we get done with you, right. you're not going to want to do this. Right. And yeah. believe it or not, for about two hours, I mean, they did stuff to me that's probably illegal. I mean, they beat me to death <laughs> and then they throw me out of the ring and I crawled, believe it or not, I crawled out that front door. And I said, I hate pro wrestling. I will never go back. And for some reason, the next day, I went back. Yeah. And I walked in. I mean, I can hear it like it was yesterday. Rusty Roberts. He said, "You're either the dumbest person that we've ever met in our life, or you must really want to do this." <laughs> and, uh, but that started it. And of yeah, course, now it. you can't. You know, you can't. Beat somebody up like that, but buddy, I, and, right. and I don't know why I went back, <laughs> but but buddy, I've been going back ever since, and and just fell in love with it. And I think they realized, man, this guy, this young kid, is nuts, or he must really, really <laughs> want to love this,
3: yeah, and, and do this.
0: And 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 I, that's that was it. I mean, uh, and so now, like when I tell a young kid come and help me set the ring up, and they they give me some stupid excuse, I just laugh at them. Yeah, because they don't have a clue. You know, Wolfie, I know you do, too. I get sometimes I still laugh when I hear that guys are being paid to train. Uh-huh. And I know our business has changed, but it makes my head hurt <laughs> that yeah. that there's actually guys. And I know that's how they do it now. But yeah. I said, what do you mean? Let me tell
2: you, You, George, when I, uh, this was probably around 2000 or something, I had been in the business uh, right at 10 years, and I was working for Cornette uh, in Louisville for the OVW. And that's about the time when Cena and Orton and Batista and all those guys were up there. And let me tell you, I was taking a Greyhound bus from nashville right. to louisville every wednesday to get a very small payoff okay and i stayed right. with cornet and he took care of that for me but you know then my wife would drive up the next day and come get me and and then i'm finding out you know you got these dudes like batista the all he was yeah. and, and he was terrible when he first started i mean right. i guess we all right. were, but you know right. and i find yeah. out man these guys got apartments and new york's paying them and yeah. this ain't right. <laughs> you know, no, and they really no, it's not. Didn't care too much. It wasn't like for love of the game for them, as, as like it was for me and you. And, and you know, uh, we, we wanted to do it regardless of what we were getting paid. Right. We just wanted to do what we love. So, yeah, yes, I sir. totally get that.
0: Yes, sir. You know, Wahoo told me one time when I first started, he said, and, and I'm so thankful for those old guys that just, you know told me to shut up and just listen, and I remember Wahoo said, "You know your first ten years, don't even worry about money. I mean, just learn this business, and then eventually you'll be able to 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 name your price, you'll be able to talk money, but uh and yeah. i have just always kind of you know stuck stuck to that now and and I tell you we i, I you know i my kids say I would probably do it for free, but no, I, I mean, I just love being around it. I love, you know, training the young guys, the ones that will listen. And, uh, you know, I've got a picture, um, uh, Wolfie hanging up in my house. Uh, mm-hmm. and it just happened by accident. One night at my wrestling school, I had Ric Flair's son, Ricky Steamboat's son, wow. Bobby Eaton's son mm-hmm. all in the ring at the same time. And, uh, you know, they, they always came in and, and, and that, that night someone just snapped a picture of that. And it just, at that moment, I still look at it sometimes. And, and I say that not to brag, but when Rick Claire and Steamboat and Bobby, when they bring their kids to you and they say, yeah. can you train my son? But well, you better know what the heck you're talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah. you better, you better have kind of an ideal and, and yeah. there's no, you can't put a price tag, uh, you know, on stuff like that. And, and man, I tell you that, that was probably one of, you know, to this day, still some of the greatest compliments is when they trust me, you know, yeah. with, with their own, with their own son. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I was able to train Tessa Blanchard, you know, Tully, it's so yeah. funny what fans, fans think just cause your dad right. wrestled
5: that, right. that yeah.
0: you, you're going to be the greatest. And yeah. I just think yeah. it's hard. I think there's so much pressure because in our day in my day will we would put a mask on a guy's son and kind of kayfabe who he was for a while, let him learn and have fun. Right. But they don't, you know, that's never. that's not even heard of nowadays, but it's just so much pressure. I know one night me and uh, uh, Ric Flair's son Reed was doing an autograph signing and what a Mm -hmm. great kid he was, but, so we're sitting there signing autographs. And the first 15 people that came up, they all said, how's your dad doing? How's your dad doing? How's your dad doing? Your dad doing? So about the 15th one, I stopped. You stood up and I said, folks, listen, this is Reed Flair. Okay. If y'all want to ask about his dad, wait till his dad comes. But, you know, how about asking how Reed's doing for yeah. heaven's sake?
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. I was like, yeah. my yeah. gosh, folks, come on. And, uh, first time me and, uh, and I'll shut up a minute. First time me and Tessa Blanchard, uh, we, we did a podcast together. First time, first uh, question the guy asked was, how's Tully doing? <laughs> and Wolfie, I shut that down. I yeah. said, wait a second. Now this is Tessa. Okay. Yeah. Her dad will yeah. be on later, but right now, why don't you ask Tessa how she do? Right. So, yeah. It's like automatically you got to give these young guys and young girls a, a chance to to be, to be them.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, and that's what I've always tried to have their back. I mean, late at night when you're in there pumping them, that ring don't care that your dad's Tully Blanchard. Right. You know, that ring don't care that your dad's Ricky Steamboat. When yeah. when you're in the one, you're the one in there falling, you know. Huh. So, just yeah. an amazing, amazing uh, uh, story sometimes.
2: That is. And, man, uh, you know, you said Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, Bobby Eaton, man. Uh, talk about, man, you, you got to work with some of the greatest wrestlers in the wrestling business ever. Um, yeah. What's that like, man, to just, I mean, I, I've got to work with some really good dudes, too. But your resume is, speaks volumes over mine as, as far you. as the 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 people that you've been in the ring with, man, uh, talk, about what, talk about flair. So, I mean, what's it like? I, I knew Bobby very well, but I never got to work him. Uh, you know, I, I was a producer and a talent on Rick Flair's right. last match. I've never worked him, uh, at Rick's right. Steamboat. I met him like once, you know, these are guys that when I was a kid was what I was watching, you know? So right. talk about those guys and just how talented they are. Well, you
0: know, uh, what was so amazing back then when I first started, there was no internet, there was no, you know, YouTube or anything. It was just an old fashioned wrestling magazine. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, I collected them like everybody did, man. I used to love to get them and, and read about some of these guys. So the first TV that I ever done in my life was Georgia championship wrestling, uh, in Atlanta way before. The superstation. It's when Ole had it. And I walk yeah. in this dressing room and I look over there and there's, there's like Rick Flair. There's Ox Baker. There's all, there's Jerry Lawler for heaven's sake. It's all these guys that I read about in a magazine. Yeah. And so I thought, Lord, I'm in heaven right now. Are you kidding me? And I remember, <laughs> Wolfie, every, the first match I ever wrestled ever on television was with Jimmy Valiant and Jerry Lawler. And I'll Very tell you what's good. funny, uh, Jimmy, I knew who these guys were, but, I mean, all of a sudden I'm in the ring with them. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and, the, and, and you know, back then you didn't dress with the top guys. Right. Feet, we were in like a little old broom closet at <laughs> Tech <would> drive. And, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I, I mean, I knew who Lawler and him were, but you didn't even see them till the bell was getting ready to ring.
3: Yeah. And
0: so Lawler had told referee Ron West that Ron? the finish was going to be his fist drop. Well, I knew yeah. what the, the fist drop was. So we we get, we get out there and we have the little match or whatever. Well, Lawler picks him up for the pile driver, which is already you know, still one of his finishes. Yeah. Well, all I know is a fist drop. And <laughs> so he gives me this big pile driver and all that. Well, guess what I did? This dumb kid kicked out. <laughs> I do I that I mean, it. I probably only got in the world that lived to tell about it, but I kicked I kicked <laughs> out of Lawler's finish. <laughs> and man i get in the back and Ole is cussing me like a sailor i mean he and i'm never i'm mean, I thinking okay it's my first day like i'm going to get fired and i i didn't even have the job to get fired but anyway and, and i remember Oli cussing me and lawler stepped in and said no only it was my fault i did tell the kid the fist drop so yeah. every year after that Every time O.E. had seen me, he said, I kill the business. He said, Waller has beat Andre, Harley Ray, and Ric Flair. But you, you kick out. So, all uh, of oh gosh!" So, I knew then I got to get this right. But I, I would just get in my car, 4 a.m. on Saturday mornings. I'd drive down there uh, to Georgia Championship Wrestling, Techwood Drive. Tommy Rich was the hottest baby face. Mm-hmm. that you could ever imagine and and it was right before cable took off and and so JJ uh, Dillon came in and they found out that I lived in Charlotte if you can believe it and they said, wow yeah you mean you're driving down here every every weekend I said yes and you know what was so cool being a being a big mark as I was is they we would take the matches at like 8.05 in the morning and they would be live that night. remember right after a braves game? Yeah. And so we would, so I would rush back home so I could sit there in front of the television and watch my match.
3: Now that's
0: what a mark, but JJ (laughs) says, Hey, when work opens up, you know, in the Carolinas or somewhere else, we will, you know, we'll, we'll get in touch with you. And then that's just simply how it happened. I mean, guys, I learned to keep my mouth shut because Wolfie, I saw so many young guys opening their mouth and yeah. saying stupid things, and, and I thought, well, I may mess up in the ring, but I'm not going to mess up in the dressing room. I'm not going to – I knew I wasn't going to say nothing stupid. I, I saw two guys one time, it was later on, they wrestled uh, Mike Rotundo and Rick Steiner oh. for WCW, yeah. and those two guys in the back, they were pretty jacked up, and, and I could hear them talking that they thought in their mind yeah. that they were going over. Oh, well, if You can't believe this, <laughs> oh, uh, Jimmy. I mean – uh, so you know you get a you get a brain freeze and it's going to be against these two guys you know <laughs> rotundo and rich and they literally went out there and they thought them idiots thought that they were going to win this you know going to go over and, and of course rotundo and them changed that real quick really? and when we they, we came back to the dressing room i wish i had a camera with me rick and mike rotundo stuffed You know how in a cartoon you see a guy get stuck in a trash can? I mean, like his his legs and his head both are sticking out of this trash can. You're thinking, how did that guy's body bend like that? Well, Rotundo and Rick Steiner did that to both those guys. I mean, in the dressing room for all the boys, crammed them in a trash can. And I remember uh, uh, Rotundo said something like, yeah, y'all are going over now, right? But, you know, you think, okay, how did these two idiots, uh, who would think that? But they did, but you know, and they never, and they never was invited back. Huh? you know what I joke <laughs> with? You know, early on in my career I lost I lost one, two, three to the Mulky brothers and also the Ding Dongs. Well, yes. do you remember the Ding Dongs? Yes. Listen, hey guys, when you lose to both of them early in your career, you can only go up. <laughs> you know what I mean? How could, I tell guys now, you can't hurt me. Right? <laughs> I mean, I and I lost to the monkeys and I lost to the Ding Dongs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and in fable North Carolina, for the the big, great American, I think it was the bash or whatever, Dusty called it. It was me and Cougar Jay against the Ding Dongs. It was their big debut, oh, and I remember we're in the back, and Cougar Jay's mad because he can't believe that we're losing. To the ding-dongs right and i remember i said brother shut up i said we're gonna make 400 bucks are you kidding <laughs> and wolfie they pinned me so what the heck you complaining about right you know? right right uh, so i go out with the ding-dongs and, and and which was a fiasco those were great kids they were two of jody hamilton's guys the, but you that's... think they could have put the midnight express in bales and it wouldn't have worked I mean, yeah, those exactly. poor kids, yeah. they didn't have a chance from the beginning. And, listen, we were hardcore before hardcore was hardcore because in that match, all their stupid bales fell off of <laughs> their gear. So, oh, one of the yeah. tell they slammed me. I was landing on these stupid metal bales. Oh, uh, oh. So it never So, it never took off. Those young boys, you know, I, I, I don't know whatever happened to them. And, Who's and that, that was dude? one of was Jim Her- It was was all Jim Hurd. You remember Jim Hurd that came in? Uh, You know, he was the pizza owner that came into WCW and had some crazy ideals. But you know what? I may be the only guy that loved Jim Hurd. And I'll tell you why. You know what his first first business, his first line of business was, he decided to give all of us underneath guys an extra $100 for driving. Man. Now, that don't seem like much to fans nowadays, but yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. Well, the, All of us used to, you know, we'd ride together. You know that. We'd put 13 guys in a little car. Yeah. And, then, and then when Jim Hurst started car. paying everybody everybody $100, we all started driving. Yeah. And, and I remember one time, Ollie came in from the parking lot in Atlanta, and he'd come over and he said, George South. He said, I got a question. He said, I just came through the parking lot, and there's like 30 cars from North Carolina, he said, you know anything about that? I said, I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. It's because we all drove. Yeah. We were all wanting that $100 trance yeah. that, that, that Jim heard. So, I, man, and, of course, he didn't last long either. Dude, but, you know, <laughs> he brought in the, the Van Hammers and all them. But, you know, and I get sidetracked here. I, I get so excited. But, you know, the greatest thing about Bobby, you know what he did to me one time? We were just in a ring before TV. Mm -hmm. And this is how good Bobby Eaton is. And he's the only one I completely trusted. I mean, you could, I mean, you could lay there uh, with, with, with an egg on your forehead and let him do the Alabama jam. And he would crack that egg and not hurt you. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen anybody that, that was that good. So, so recently they, um, I don't think it was Dr. Tom, but somebody posted a a video or short clip on the internet about complete trust in professional wrestling. And it oh. just happened to be me in there with the midnight express and, and Stan Lane grabbed me in a Boston crab and he turned me over on my stomach
3: mm-hmm.
0: and Bobby Eaton went to the top and did that big famous high knee off the top onto the back of my head yeah. with me laying on my stomach
3: right,
0: mm-hmm. and a complete trust. Yeah. And 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 oh, my goodness, because he could have went either way and really, you know, later in Bobby's career, he was doing a few shows and me and him was in the dressing room. And this promoter come over and they said, uh, Bobby, can you would you do the Alabama jam tonight? And uh, of course, Bobby said, yes. But I stood up, Wolfie. And I said, no, sir. I said, he's not. Huh. He doesn't have to do the Alabama jam anymore. Yeah, and Bobby said, no, George, I don't mind. I said, no, Bobby, you're, I ain't letting you. And he could have done it. Don't get me wrong.
3: Right.
0: Wolfie, but I yeah. told this this promoter, I said, listen, you get up there and do the Alabama Jam because Bobby ain't going to. Right. And I right. just felt like you know Bobby didn't at that point in his career, and later on, he didn't have to climb that. If you don't, if you don't know Bobby Eaton by then, then I can't help you. Yeah. You know. And later, well, yeah. he thanked me, Wolfie, for that. But he didn't have to do that Alabama jam,
2: you know. What a great individual he was. I mean, people talk about it all the time. But unless you really knew him, man, you just don't know how good he was. And, and to the kids, man, there was a time where uh, me, Jamie, uh, Gypsy Joe, Bobby, Uh, And Chris Michaels, I think we all we all lived in the same apartment complex and we'd go to every day and Bobby and this is when uh, Bobby and and Donna were separated for a little while. Right. And uh, so, so he was living in Nashville with all of us. And, man, I, I can't tell you how good he was to all of our kids. And, hey, you know, I, hey, darling, hey, darling, that's what he yeah. said to my little girl. And, man, he, sure did. he was the, the, the greatest dude, uh, you know. It, you know, Dusty used to get mad at him
0: because him and Dennis or him and Randy Rose or whoever, they would go out there with me and maybe Mike Jackson or me and Rocky King, and they would give us 95% yeah. of the match. Yeah. I mean, you would have thought we were the Midnight Express. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, I was doing moves I still didn't know how to do, and don't do can't do them today. But but they were so good, and I I can remember coming back and, and and you know they would sneak the win out at the last minute, but we would come back and and Dusty would go nuts, you know. <laughs> but Bobby's concept was he, he you know he felt like it meant something because they beat somebody.
2: Exactly. Then, I, I always heard you, that breaking in too. It's like give the squash matches were terrible to me because I mean who'd you beat? That's right.
0: See, Flair was that way. The only reason, like, you know what's amazing is, is 30, I think 35 years ago was the last time I really wrestled Ric Flair. And wrestling fans still come up to me to this day and say, man, you know, I was just back home and I was watching that match with you and Rick." And they said, they always say, well, you know, I thought you was going to win. <laughs> I said, well, I <laughs> thought I was too. But for them to hang on to that mm-hmm. all of these years, and that was all Rick. See, yeah. the funny thing is, Rick used to love, especially in Atlanta, uh, he always had to catch a plane because he was always double booked, you know, NWA champ, and he always came out in these nice suits. Well, he would hate to wrestle on TV because he'd have to get sweaty and, and, and you know, shower quick and then j- go jump on a plane. And and so he just loved to do interviews. Where every yeah. now and then, Dusty would have him work on TV just to, I think show Rick that hey, you got to listen to me, <laughs> and 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 so that one particular Saturday in Atlanta, Techwood Drive, he told Rick he was going to have to work, and Rick said, "Will you give me George South?" Huh. And I didn't know this. I was like in that broom closet, yeah. And uh, so I, you know, I knew that I had a TV match, but you know, all of a sudden you go to the ring, and and then all of a sudden here comes Nature Boy Rick Flair with that NWA pounds of ten gold, a pound, huh. and you and you think, Lord, I'm fixing to have a heart attack. Are you kidding me? This is this is like Tom Brady. All right, want to throw a ball yeah. to me? Yeah. And, and we didn't get a chance to talk, but I remember as the ref was kind of searching us, I heard Rick say, "Ask Ricky Steamboat, is he ready?" Now that's when I about peed my pants. Right. we well, Okay. <laughs> so everybody knows how famous him and Steamboat was. Oh yeah. Man. And brother, when that bell rung, Flair at that time was in the greatest shape of his life. I remember. Jackie Crockett, the cameraman, he 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 smarting us out that we were going to a commercial break, uh-huh. and we'd already went like six minutes on television. So I hear Jackie Crockett, and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, mm. maybe we'll go into a commercial break, and Rick will grab a hold, yeah, mm. you know, let me rest. I'm blowed up. Well, <laughs> man, we went to a commercial break, and I think Rick stepped it up a notch, <laughs> uh, well, brother, and I was hanging on for dear life, <laughs> and I mean, it was unbelievable, and so we did probably 12, 13 minutes on television. And, and I, you would have thought if you watched that, of course there were many other matches, but man, to this day, uh, uh people still come up. I, you know, I just had a man, a, a, a young man this past weekend. He said that he, his dad, his dad had passed away. Wolfie last year that mm-hmm. he remembered sitting on his dad's lap mm-hmm. watching my match with Ric Flair. Wow. But I don't care who you are, man. That just like gets at your heartstrings yeah. to be a part of someone's life. And uh, I see Rick nowadays, he still calls me Steamboat because he knows how blowed up I was. <laughs> uh, but they rolled me out of that ring and I didn't care. I thought i died. die. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, after that, uh, you know, Rick, he would always ask for me. And it got to where especially, you know, even in WCW, uh, guys, uh, they would ask for me. Yeah. And uh, I had so many guys. They, you know, WCW used to do a thing where they would do a, a a dark match, which meant not really they were looking at any talent. They just had to change the old uh, TV tapes over, wow. yeah. like you know, from one reel to the other, and they just didn't want the fans to sit there. Right. So they brought in so many guys, tried to give them a job, and you know, Adrian Adonis, who I always loved. I saw him walk in. This is this is how cold our business can get. Yeah. I watched Adrian Adonis walk in the back of the dressing room at Techwood Drive and have a, and talk to Dusty about a job. Mm-hmm. Now, two, probably la- the year before, he was at WrestleMania. Right. right. But now he was out of a job, and he walked right in, and Dusty said, nope, I'm not hiring. Oh, and yeah. So I watched Adrian Adonis in front of all the boys. He, and Dusty wasn't rude about it. He just said, I'm not hiring. Oh, wow. And so I just watched. I wish fans nowadays that think this is so easy and and you know you owe me something and and yeah. i'm entitled to this i wish they would have been sitting beside me when here's adrian adonis one of the greatest in the world yeah just had to turn around and walk back out that door wow and and you know let people see that you think you can do this stuff man right. and so i just man i sit in my corner i remember one time I only fired a bunch of guys and my name wasn't on the list So, Mm -hmm. Wolfie, stupid me, I go up to Oli, and I said, excuse me, Oli. I said, my name wasn't on the list. And he said, well, you're not even important enough to fire. (laughs) (laughs) I said, dang, man. So, I went back over and shut down. I said, you know, sit down and shut up. But, you know, I thought, hey, man, my name ain't on the list. Maybe I'm important. And uh, he said, no, listen, you're you're not even
2: important enough to put on the list. I said, Okay. Mm Well, Jimmy, I'm sure you got some good questions for George, don't you?
1: Well, okay. You know, I've always said this on this show, 101 episodes in now, and I've always said I'm a mid-Atlantic kid, and and a lot of our listeners are Memphis fans being PG-13, Wolfie D. You know, we're we're a good Tennessee base, but coming with a mid-Atlantic guest, I'm always excited to have you on. One of my favorite all-time stories that I've heard you tell, and and, you know, we probably have a lot of up-and-coming wrestlers that listen, and some of the guys that are currently in the business listening and tell them the art because you were lucky enough to be working Crockett and WWF around the same time so you could bounce back and forth. Tell these kids the art of the hair versus hair matches. Oh my
0: goodness and, and you know what let me back up just a minute Jimmy and I'll tell y'all something you know when I was 18 years old a promoter in the Carolinas brought in Lou Thesz. Oh, Now, man. you can believe this, not to make an appearance, but to wrestle. Now, he was older in age, but this was still the man, still uh-huh. in great shape and still had that world belt. And so I got to wrestle Lutez at yeah. 18 years wow. old. Holy and cow. You, so so look at this. What I did, I told you I ain't too smart. It's a wonder I'm still alive, okay? <laughs> Y'all walked over in Lutez's dressing room. And I began to tell (laughs) Fez, I'm embarrassed now. I'm going to duck down in my car, okay? (laughs) But I began telling Fez what I was going to do in the match. Mm. And he stood up. I I swear he had to be 10 foot tall. He stood up, and he said, kid, the first thing you're going to do is shut up. And and I did, too. Let me tell you, I did. And he said, you're just going to listen. And so I said, yes, sir. And so we go out there. And, and and now he I could tell he could have broke me in half if he wanted to and he was still snug and you know you knew he was oh you knew he was the man but yeah. but we had a decent little match and I learned that day to just keep my mouth shut and yeah. and, and listen yeah. and so and and what was so famous about I caught on quick like I had never been to wWF whooppie <laughs> but everybody I don't care who you are you wanted to go to wWF yeah I mean yeah. They were like the, the Super Bowl. And I've been everywhere else. And so uh, uh, Nelson Royal was great friends with Jay Strombo. Mm. So Jay just simply said, one day you got a couple of guys. Well, I knew I was going to WWF. Nelson was going to take me, uh, send us. So I let my hair grow out. Jimmy. You know mean? Now, I look like Ted Nugent. I mean, way <laughs> before Ted Nugent. Okay. I remember guys in the dress, the boys in the dressing room used to say, George, you need to cut that hair. I mean, it's looking, you know, what are you going to do with that? But I knew that at that time, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was Uh, breaking in up there. You know, it was this big angle, and he was cutting guys' hair. And I'm thinking, you know, if I go walking in WWF, I do this on my own. I'm kind of proud of myself. I said, if I go walking in (laughs) with this this frizzy hair, looking like Ted Nugent. Now, who do you think? Brutus is going to want to cut the hair. So, <laughs> exactly. I mean, guys in the dressing room was telling me one time Dutch mantel was ribbing me, and he said, "Yo, you need to cut that hair." And I looked over, at and, you know, Dutch is like the hairiest guy in the world, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, Dutch, you're telling me to cut my hair? You know? Uh, so anyway, I just let it grow. I let it grow. I didn't. I didn't cut it. I didn't cut. I mean, I looked. Man, it was like wor- it was worse than Gene Simmons. So I go to WWF <laughs> Television. I didn't even know who I was going to work, and so I get there. We meet Strongbow. We sit down in the dressing room. next thing I know Strongbow comes. I'm in a dressing room with a bunch of young guys, and and on the on the flight up, I remember young guys like Ricky Nelson and Tommy Angel. Some of those guys had beautiful heads of hair, and I can remember them saying, "Well, I hope they sure don't ask me to cut my hair. I sure don't. Ask, you know, I sure hope <laughs> I don't get Brutus." But I'm the opposite.
3: Yeah,
0: thinking, man, it's, what a, what a thrill of a lifetime. So it didn't take Jay Strongbow two seconds to walk in that dressing room and to see me sitting over there. And brother, I looked like Ted Nugent. I mean, it was down. the. I mean, it was just <laughs> everywhere. And he, he said, come here, kid. He said, uh, I want to introduce you to somebody he takes me to Brutus and, and Brutus grinned from ear to ear. Yeah. And he said, yeah, that, that's perfect. So the coolest thing about that story is Brutus asked me, he didn't just start cutting. He said, what, you know, do you mind where I, where I cut after the match? What I mean, kind you of know, I you, would you like, George? <laughs> yeah. You know, I okay, you want us to wash it and, and, and dress post? And I said, bro, I don't care. I'm like on Monday Night Raw, okay? Right. Right. So, man, we go out there and he's a uh, strutting and a cutting and brother, he puts him to sleep. Next thing you like know, he starts cutting and I'm just living it up. I mean, I'm having the time of my life. Like, I want to tell all the boys in the dressing room that made fun of me. You know, look at me now, right? <laughs> so, I get out of the ring, and they tell me, they said, George, if you don't mind, you can go sit over here, and the lady will be here in a minute to, you know, to style your hair. Yeah. Now, this is when, Wolfie, I knew WWF is big time. Right. They got a full-time <laughs> beautician that travels, yeah. right? I said, are you kidding me? I said, no, no, I go over here. I go over there. She washes it. She dries it. She styles it. And listen to this. The best part. If Jay Strombo says when you get your check in a couple of weeks you're going to be happy. And I said, "Oh gosh, I you know, I, I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm on Monday Night raw. What do you mean I get paid? That's just an sure. extra." Yeah. He said he said we're going to give you 350 for the match and then you're going to get an extra 400. Wow. For letting Brutus cut your hair. Man. And, you got more and for, for tell the haircut what, for, than you did the match. I got more for the haircut <laughs> than I did for the match okay and so I kayfabe that for for the next two months and so boom here comes this check one shot I made 750 are you kidding me right yeah. and so every time the next six times I go up there Brutus cut my hair <laughs> Will he? hey Jimmy finally finally Strombo said George I hate to tell you this, but we just, you know, we got to stop. He said, you know, people want going to catch off. You know, every week, Brutus cuts your safe, you know, cuts your hair. And oh, that's man. when I knew that WWF, now I know why all the boys wanted to go to WWF. right? Because it was, it's just a different league. right? Yeah. And just the way they treated guys, you know, like uh, underneath guys. Yeah. And are you kidding me? And I was making... I, 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 people still laugh at me when they come back. They come up to my table, my little gimmick table now to show and say, yeah, man, I saw you just cut your hair, man. You lost that match. I'm thinking, yeah, I sure did. But I won Monday when I went to the bank. Well, yeah. be, let me get it.
1: Seriously, that's awesome. <laughs> so
0: that's, I learned then, sometimes what you see, you know, Jake Roberts walked up to me and he said, Are, "He said, hey, kid, he said, you're afraid of snakes? And I said, well, I ain't never really like been near them. He said, well, you're fixing to be <laughs> I said, oh my gosh. So he did. Listen, to this. Well, he, DD, he DDT's me, which was the finish of the ages back then. Oh, I mean,
1: yeah.
0: You know, people were chanting it. I mean, people were naming their kids DDT. It was over <laughs> so much. And brother, he ddt me, and I knew Damien was coming. Yeah. But what I didn't know, you know, I'd always seen him take Damien out of the bag, this 20 foot yeah. snake, and lay it on you real easy. Well, I didn't know that Jake was going to change it up, so he threw the whole bag on me. Oh. Right? So I'm laying there with my eyes shut, and I said, screw this, brother. <laughs> Wolfie, I woke right up. <laughs> I killed the whole DDT finish, buddy. <laughs> so they just, you know, everybody says, ah, oh, it's just a snake. Yeah, it's a 20-foot snake laying in a bag on my chest.
2: And, I'm not uh, a fan so, of snakes myself, and I've often Lord. if I would have ever had to have worked him back then, what I've—I don't know what I would have done. I really don't, because I hate snakes with a passion.
0: And Jake said, "Yeah, you killed my finish." Said, "I beat everybody with that." And all of a sudden, you wake up. I said, you're "Dang right, I woke up."
1: <laughs> so George <laughs> turned it into a high spot.
0: <laughs> George did, and you know, I've seen that snake like before. Jake goes through the curtain. Sometimes I've seen it get excited with the crowd and start mm. clamping down on his arm. Ugh. And I seen a lot of the boys run over there and try to get it off of him, but he would tell everybody to back up. Yeah. Like you ain't getting this snake off of me. till he wants to let go.
3: Yeah, and,
0: You know, one time it got lost. Can you believe that Jimmy? They oh lost Damien gosh. for a week on a plane. Whoa. So they deliver him to the, to the, uh, the building, the arena. Yeah. And so everybody's wanting to run over there. I mean, this, this chest that that snake was in was literally bouncing up and down. I mean, this snake had been locked up for a week. Yeah, and everybody God. was, run- the handlers were running over and getting ready to open it. And Jake said, oh no, you better get back.
3: Yeah. So Jake
0: Jake grabbed a broom, as crazy as it sounds, and we all stood behind that crate. And Jake <laughs> reached up like with a broom. Now here's these 300-pound monster wrestlers, right? And yeah. we're all standing in the back, scared to death. And
3: uh-huh.
0: man, he flicked the, the-, the latch on that crate and that big old snake come out of there and for about an hour and nobody could get it. I mean it just ran. It just ran into lockers, it knocked over chairs. It, it hadn't been out in a week. Right. But you know what calmed it down? I probably should try that. Jake <laughs> would throw it in a shower and turn warm water on it. Okay. Can you believe that? Oh, so I used well. to tell Jake, now Jake, we're getting ready to go to the ring, but I hope you keep that snake under that warm water yeah. until <laughs> it's time to go through that curtain yeah seriously
3: yeah so
0: it's kind of well, neat now with my grandbabies you know they don't know much about wrestling but I can show them Jake putting a snake on me now there's snakes over with my grandbabies let me take it yeah. so <laughs> they think it's pretty cool that you know I'm getting a snake put on me
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors and we'll be right back with more live and in color with Wolfie D you need the Rockstar Realtor.
1: Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. Support for Livening In Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Wolfie at Manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Real quick question, you know, recently there was The Dark Side of the Ring, and, you know, these shows have been going on, and they've had a really good one about Magnum, you know, and and some other things. But the one I want to ask you about, and this kind of takes you back to the very beginning of your career, in championship wrestling from Florida with Eddie Graham. Did you ever have any run-ins with Eddie at all? How how was your... Man, I loved it.
0: Yeah, go Uh, ahead. uh, Well, you know know what's funny? Every time I do a podcast and, you know, people comment on it, they always say, well, it sounds like to me, George loved everybody. Well, no, I met a lot of jerks in this business, but I love most of them. Hold on. I you mean, met I a jerk it.
1: in wrestling?
0: Never. Man, can believe you believe that? that. I don't and, that. and But what I've learned early is, is I just go by how people treat me, you sure. know? yeah, And, and, and that's all you can go by. So, I, you know, you know who helped me so much, and I, I want to give him credit, is, see, if people, fans don't understand this. When you were a young wrestler back in the day and you're trying to get bookings, there was no freaking internet. There was no texting. There was no phone. There wasn't no cell phone. Right. So you sent out eight by tens. Like every now and then in a wrestling magazine, there'd be an address of a promotion. So you would mail out eight by tens to these promotions. And so all these years, man, I mailed out so many eight by tens with a little bio and and nobody ever, ever answered. And then mm. one time, one day in Atlanta TV, I met Mike Jackson, yeah. who to this day I credit with with helping me so much. Is is Mike said, "How would you like to do TV for Bill Watts?" I said, "Wait a minute, you uh, what?" He said, "Sure." He said, "Here's my number, just call me." So I'm thinking, "Okay, now I tried everything." Okay, I tried everything, and yeah. nobody would even return. Nobody would even. Write me back and tell me to go jump in a lake. <laughs> and then Mike Jackson said, just give me a call. So I call him and he said, i tell you what. He said, it's perfect timing. He said, would you like to go on the road for a week with me? And I said, are you kidding? I'm, I'm, I'm ready right now. Mm-hmm. So in one week, he took me to Bill Watts. We went to Eddie Graham in Florida and we finished up in Pensacola for the, the, the promotion down there with the fuller's name. So in one week, yeah, I'm getting my tail kicked on TV, but I'm having a time of my life. Yeah. So i walk in and Eddie Graham, the thing that nope, that that I wish people would know about Eddie Graham, he was so accessible. Like mm. I knew who he was from the magazines and he feuded with Paul Jones and the magazines. And all of a sudden I walk in that famous sportatorium place in that they called it in, in, florida and for their tv and here's eddie graham and i walk in he shakes my hand and and i'm just sitting i mean i'm sitting there and all of a sudden there was you know the Youngbloods, jay Youngblood, and it was just what an array of talent that's mantel was even in and out down there Mm -hmm. and and the Pyt express was coco beware i mean it was just you gotta be kidding me and all i had to do was go out there and work my butt off in the ring and i'm gonna tell you you know, and I know you've heard it, Wolfie, for years. Everybody said, well, I didn't call Mike Jackson because I had to give him a booking fee.
3: Mm.
0: And to fans that don't know, you know, it's like, okay, I didn't, you know, if, if I get you a booking, Wolfie, for $100, bucks, i am going to take 25 of it. You know, yeah. I didn't care. Like, yeah. back then, you didn't get I tried it all. So, I told Mike Jackson before he ever said anything, I said, Mike, listen, I don't care what they're going to pay me. You can take it all. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm going to be on Georgia championship wrestling. I'm going to be on championship wrestling from Florida.
2: Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: I'll hey, pay you. Something. Something. Let me ask kay? you something real quick. And unless I just missed it, did you ever work Memphis?
0: You know what? Here's the funny thing about Memphis. I got a great Memphis story. <laughs> so listen to this. So Dusty and Jim Crockett get a wild idea that they're going to run Memphis. Mm. Okay. They come to the Mid South Coliseum and they bring the heavy guns. I mean, we yeah. bring Magnum, the Road Warriors, rock and roll. And yeah. this place, we had a heck of a house where all of the lights are on. So Dusty yeah. gets mad because he wants that old school look. You know, he right. wants the lights off, but the lights over the ring, left right. on. Yeah. Well, he. So I'm standing there and Dusty's talking to like the head custodian. And Dusty said, man, we're fixing to start this thing. He said, it's almost bell time. He said, I need all the lights off in this place, and the lights above the ring I need turned on. And that guy said, sorry, uh, Mr. Rhodes, I can't do that. Okay. Dusty said, what do you mean? We paid rent. We got a heck of a crowd. It's what I want. And you know what that guy said, Wolfie? He said, I laughed. He said, no, sir, you don't understand. Those, bu- those lights above the ring are not ours. They belong to Jerry Lawler. Dusty said what he said oh yes he said those are Jay Lawler's lights and we can't touch them so we did that whole show I mean it was still a great time but it was the awfulest look for TV and stuff because every light was on in the place because <laughs> you you couldn't touch those Jerry Lawler lights. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so, so I, I never, I, as far as going to do the TV tapings, I was always, uh, you know, busy down here and I never, I would have loved to, but I never, uh, Boogie used to invite me to go up, but I, I, I never did. I never yeah. did. Now, the closest I got was when we couldn't turn on, we couldn't turn off Jerry Lawler's lights. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Yeah, well, listen, that's a there, buddy. Okay.
3: That is. Yeah. <laughs> did
2: you know that, Wolfie? That he owned No, him? I did not. I've never heard that story. But that's that weird,
0: so, man. so. We, that's let, so we left on every light in that Mid South Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, that is. Awesome. I saw uh, Jerry Lawler came down uh last year and did a show here for the AML in Winston Salem, and I. Uh, I reminded him of that. Of course, he laughed. I I said, yeah, man, you still made Dusty mad. I said, man, Dusty couldn't turn them lights off.
1: That is a rib and a half. Oh, man. I thought, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) He he always will have that, yes. You know, one thing, you know, I've I've got to ask you about because, you know, you're talking about work for AML and and the local guys and stuff. One thing I've got to talk about right now is you've been seen pretty regularly on two shows that are very popular right now. Currently, especially on the up and coming levels, is that Billy Corgan's NWA and GCW Game Changer Wrestling. So let me ask you one question is, what's the culture like? And then second question is. Do they even listen to you? I'm
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gonna shut up. You know what? So you know what's so amazing, uh, Wolfie, and 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 this is not just now, but my whole career, and I'm so thankful to the Lord for this. Is I've always been blessed by having uh, promoters or, or or bookers, whatever you want to call them. They always reach out to me. Yeah, and and I'm so thankful that I always tell people. You don't have to post a, a, a best of video on YouTube. If you if you know a little bit of what you're doing, they will find you. Yeah. They will. Because yeah. good hands, as you know, will be in good talent, man, and good guys. And, 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 you know, and I hear guys that tell me that, man, you know, once I meet you, George, you're nothing like what someone said. And I said, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you think? You know, <laughs> how about asking me to myself, you know? Right. so. Right. Uh, it's funny because I tell people all the time, look, I say, listen, either I'm the greatest con man in the world after 42 years, or I may know what I'm talking about, and that kind of <laughs> shuts everybody up. But yeah. but you know, when NWA reached out to me, what was so amazing is, that, is I knew that they tried to bring the NWA back, and 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 all they want to do is me to come and and try to t- try to work. I never met. I tell you what, Ricky Morton had introduced me to Billy Corgan. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I hate to admit that, but I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> so I'm sitting there talking to him, and he's like telling me how much he loved mid-Atlantic wrestling, and I'm, you know, we're just getting along great. Finally, you know, Monkey walks up and says, you do know who this is, right? I said, well, I just think he's a good wrestling fan, you know, a big fan. <laughs> right. He said, no, he's actually the guy that owns the company, and he leads singing, you know, Smashing Pumpkins. Right. So we, we kind of laugh now that I know who he is, but you know what I love is When I First time I went to this NWA in Atlanta, they got all these agents. So all these agents start coming over to me with a rolled-up sheet of paper. And I know they're just doing their job, but I'm thinking, guys, I told every one of them, I said, I've been doing this for a long time. And I said, I know my job. I know why I'm here. And I said, so what do y'all think you're going to tell me? (laughs) And I didn't mean that rude. I just meant, guys, just let me go be me. Yeah, And, yeah. and it worked and I worked Colby Carino, you know, Steve Carino's boy. And, 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 and we went out there and man, it was just, they let me be me. I tell you what's a fun story. They, you know, I've been waiting 42 years to step behind that NWA sacred desk that Gordon Soli and,
3: Bob, you know, Cottle.
0: Bob Cottle and all them guys, yes, so all of a chance I get a chance to stand behind this, this, this sacred desk. And I get to, I get to do a promo. Yeah, and I get emotional when I think of the history there with those letters. Yeah, I get yeah. emotional. This is, so a lot of the young guys in the back start laughing. <laughs> they start laughing at my promo,
3: really,
0: right? And so, like, you got to be kidding me! But I'm getting, man, I'm getting into the moment, man. I'm getting loud. I mean, I'm thinking it took me 42 years to get here. I ain't never going to shut up, right? Movie. Right. And and so, you know, later, and we got out there and we had the match, and I put Colby over one, two, three in the middle of that ring. And I wasn't going to have it no other way. I'm telling you, buddy, and I'm not being a jerk, but if they would have told me to go over, I wasn't going to. Right, Colby yeah. was this young, good-looking kid, and, I mean, he had really changed his life around. I remember we were doing some pre-tapes, and Colby's and doing a promo, and he had just turned his life around, and, 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 man, just, he about died. Like, he OD'd and about died, but he came back, and he's turned his life around. When he starts crying in the promo, they stop the promo. Wow. Waiting on him to wipe his tears, and I about turned my head around. I mean, I said, you got to be kidding. Take this. Yeah, that's the This magic. is like, well, this is real life right here, man. Yeah. Are you kidding? And so I thought, man, shut up. They probably ain't going to have me back. But <laughs> And then I get that famous call uh, from GCW, yeah. and I had heard about them. I didn't know many of the guys, uh, but they asked me would I come and work for them. And I tell you what I've always loved about my career is I love going to new places. Uh, mm-hmm. even if you know, I, a guy just did a book on me. we And it's my record book. And yeah. there's over 15,000 matches what? that this guy wow. has recorded of wow. me. Dang. And when people buy one, they said, is there really like that many matches in there? And I say, yeah, and there's another ten thousand that I didn't want in there. You know, I mean, I mean everything ain't been smooth sailing for this old guy.
2: So you know what, George? It's funny you say that because uh, I used to ride with Frank Morrell quite a bit in, in Memphis, and we would try to sit there and figure out just so something to do try to figure out how many bumps he had taken in his life. And we, wow. would, just, we would just say, okay, so, you know, six days a week, times right. two weeks, times this many years. You figure on an easy night, you probably took 10 bumps. You know what I'm saying? And we wow. did the math and we figured up how many millions of bumps he took. <laughs> right.
0: Can you imagine that? I yeah. can't
2: imagine. And
0: so when I walked in, you know what was most impressive? When I walked in GCW is like I knew Brad, the promoter, and we've talked on the phone a little bit, but those guys were so respectful of me. I mean, I, I mean you don't make this stuff up. When it when there's no fans and there's no cameras and there's no lights, right. you know real. Right. And and people can't, you know, and, and Wolfie, when you've done it as long as we have, you know, you can't work us. I tell people, you know, my kids laugh when someone knocks on my door and tries to sell me a vacuum cleaner. I end up selling them a picture. <laughs> you know,
3: that's awesome.
0: Like Jimmy, who you gonna do? You gonna work me? Get out of I my yard,
1: okay? Work a worker, yeah.
0: No, my daughter said was a listen. He came to sell you some vacuum cleaners, and you sold him like three T-shirts. Right. I mean, <laughs> so you ain't gonna work me in a dressing room. So the minute yeah. I walk in, I know these guys are, are are legit. And listen, I'm gonna tell you the most respectful guy. And you, were, a lot of people said you got to be crazy, George, is I have never met Nick Gage. I, now, he's the man. I mean, I'm telling you right now, he's he's the man. And so, uh, you know, he, he came in and, and, you know, he had his bags and he hadn't sit down yet. And I'm going to tell you something, Wolfie. Nobody's yeah. ever heard this, but he put everything down and he came right to me.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, he That's came awesome. right to me, buddy. And, he, man, I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. But he, he had put every, all his bags down he came right to me and he put his hand down. And he said, it's an honor to meet you. He said, yeah. I want to thank you for everything you've done for this business. And see right then, that's when the rubber meets the road, guys, you know if it's yeah. real or if it's fake. I mean, you know if he's just, you know, yeah. a line of bull. Yeah. And so right then, uh, I was in complete, you know, thankfulness mode and 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 we we just I don't know, it just was amazing. And then of course last year at WrestleCade, it was unheard of as as I do a promo where I challenged Nick Gage. Yeah. and people go freaking
3: nuts.
0: <laughs> you know, let me, let me tell you, I love the work, the workers, I mean, the, the, the fans that think they're so smart. Let me tell you what I did real quick, Jimmy, and I'll shut up. Listen, so <laughs> we, I do a match, and the sound guy knows how much I love the band Journey, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so from old school days. So I'm leaving the ring. I, I got my hand raised. It's just a simple show. Well, as a rib, to me, the sound guy plays Journey, right? <laughs> like all of a sudden over those speakers, here comes Don't Stop Believing. I mean, it's like a <laughs> Hallmark moment. With yeah. you, let me tell you. Movement Ladies moment. are crying. Women yeah. are crying. And as I'm leaving the ring, you know, I'm acting a fool. But as I'm leaving the ring, I reach up and I put my hand on the turnbuckle pad that <laughs> says AML. Yeah. Like, like I'm leaving. Okay? Yeah. I've never said a word. I didn't do nothing. And leave this. You're talking about a goofball. Listen, journey's (laughs) playing. Wolfie, listen, I take my bandana that I wore for 40 years and I throw it back in the middle of the ring. Oh. Right? I ain't said one thing about quitting. Right. Okay? (laughs) Nothing. Right. Right. 30 minutes later, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, (laughs) MySpace is blowing up. George South is leaving. Yeah. (laughs) And Wilfie, I said, you gotta be freaking kidding me. I said nothing. We just played a journey song. Right. So right. for the next, the next six months, people are sending me gifts. Oh man. That's a that's so, Jimmy, awesome. listen, I ain't said one word yet, and I'm not going to because I'm getting all these gift cards in the mail. Yeah. Oh, George, it's been a great run. Okay, here. I'd like to show you my appreciation. I ain't said nothing. I'm not going anywhere. So I challenged Nick Gage. It's unheard of. Here, he's king of everything. The Deathmatch king. Right. And here's George South. Right. Challenging him. And so I'm in a show, and it's starting to rain. And the guy said, George, where are you going to do this promo at? I said, let's just go outside and see if we can find a place. So we walk outside of this little American Legion building in the Carolinas, and behind it, Wolfie, it was this run-down, burn-up building. I mean, it was just empty and... I mean, it looked so ECW-ish back in the day. Yeah. So my camera guy's raining. It's getting wet. So I go in there, and I do this goofy promo where I challenge Nick Gates, and it looks like we went to Hollywood. But I just walked out the back door of this American Legion building yeah. and found this old building. So I challenge him, he accepts, and then it's on yeah, that's awesome. And let me tell you something. That night I never met him. We go to the ring and I knew it was gonna be, you know, pretty snug and pretty rough. But yeah. what what was so beautiful about it is Russell Cade has been my home for, for fifteen years. And I have uh, people have loved me, just the old school fans. Well, here comes this Nick Gage and I've never seen people fall in love with somebody.
3: That's awesome. Uh, well,
0: it was unbelievable. And so I go to the ring first. And next thing I know, I'm loving every moment of it because I get to, I'm turning heel and people don't even realize I'm turning heel.
3: <laughs>
0: right? I did it three seconds before I go to the ring and then they play his music. And let me tell you something, I, you know, I, I've had a lot of matches and I still get goosebumps, but when he came through that curtain, man, you could feel the atmosphere. Roofie. It's what me and you got in this business for. I mean, it right. was just yeah. before we ever touched. Uh, I knew that it was going to be uh, a, a special night yeah. and I knew my job again. Let me just throw this in here. I knew my job that night. I knew who Nick Gage was. Yeah. I'm not going to be an idiot and think that I'm the new people come up to me and say, Hey, you're the king of the death match. I said, no, I'm not. Shut up. You know? <laughs> right. Right. I said, no, I'm not. So <laughs> I knew my job and we went out there and it was, it was, man, I, I'm very, very proud of it. And, and, you know, it's been a year and I still have people message me and tell me how much they they enjoyed it. And it was just so from that is to, to answer your question, buddy, is I'm going back up there for GCW in a few weeks to New York. And mm-hmm. Nick Gage sent me a message. He sent me a message and he said, I just want to tell you uh, that it's such an honor to have you back yeah. at our company. That's all awesome. the fans don't understand that. These stupid young wrestlers don't understand that. Yeah. But that respect level they can't ever take from me. Right. They can't ever take I can be broke living under a bridge. <laughs> reading wrestling magazines, but they can't <laughs> take that. Yeah. They can't take that away from me. So yeah, I, it's I a whole new it's guys. a whole new ball game for me. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, and I'm gonna throw this in here real quick, Wolf, and I'll shut yeah. up and let y'all ask me. You know, <laughs> I've always loved uh, you know, giving out Bibles at a wrestling show. I mean, I know uh, what the Bible means to me and how it changed my life. And I don't push it on anybody, but I love giving people Bibles, uh, free yeah. Bibles. And what's so amazing about this world that we live in is people, first of all, they don't think anything's free. You right. know, they think there's a catch. And so I walk in GCW mm. and I give out Bibles at my gimmick table. Now, a lot of the people gave them back, <laughs> okay? Because that's a <laughs> hardcore crowd. Yeah. But I didn't do it to prove a point. I did it because that's who George South is. Does that make sense? It people? does. Everywhere I go, buddy, everywhere I go, I, man, I'm telling you, and and I, I joke with people. You know, there's this guy like on the internet that does a, what is that guy's tag? He's like the, the a- angry heel or whatever, and yeah. uh, he just hates everybody and Everything that happens, and, and I'm the complete opposite of that. Right. There is nobody that's did more jobs. There's nobody that has lost more than me in pro wrestling. But, man, listen, I, 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 I'm not that, and I am happy. And, and, I mean, I just love that bit. I love. I still love it. You know what my deal is? Like today, after we finish this great podcast, I don't have a show to go to. Yeah. So what we'll you know, I'm like I'm like drinking like fourteen Mountain Dews, and I gotta I gotta come down off of this. <laughs> but Jenny, I'm looking for a wrestling show. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, I come tell you, you know, I have these young, I have these young guys. I had a couple of guys this weekend, my students, they couldn't go to the show, and you know, they've got girlfriends, and I understand all that mess. But I try to tell them, guys, listen, pro wrestling is my release from the world. Right. I mean, I know we all got stuff going on, but man, I yeah. Lord, the, the the world is the problem, not pro wrestling. Right. You know, say you know, see that's what I love about Rick Claire, uh uh Wolfie, is what he has in his heart. I don't care how old he is, what he's got in his heart, you can't teach.
3: Right.
0: You can't. Yeah. And that's how I am. I mean, I I just I love our business. I nobody can do, you know that uh, earlier we were talking about the joking about the guy that called me old and I, yeah. i'd like to see him try to do what we do oh you know man. i'd like to see him just take a bump and and mm. and, and entertain and you know Ivan have used to tell me that you know his body was beat up not just from the matches but from all the car rides <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. from town to town and and sure. uh you know now they fly a lot but but man I, and it's just golly yeah you know it's, it's always funny my trash man who Man, I done talked about everything, Wolfie But you know, my trash man, <laughs> old-fashioned guy Yeah, He's on the back of that truck every day And he's the happiest man in the world And he loves really? wrestling yeah. So once a week, he stops, they get my trash He comes up, we start talking about wrestling And he's <laughs> such a fan of our business There's so much respect, he's loved it since he was a kid His kids love it
3: yeah. And he's
0: always telling me Because he sees stuff on the internet He sees how, you know, sometimes wrestling uh, They eat their own I mean, it's like you know, the disrespect that they give me and you sometimes. And it just yeah. don't make sense. He said, man, listen, He said, I don't understand. He said, I've been a trash man for 30 years.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He said, I got all these plaques hanging on my wall. He said, people love me because I've been a trash man <laughs> for 30 years. He said, but in y'all's business, the longer you do it, the more fun they make of you, the more names they call you. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my front yard thinking, this trash man's got a point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm listening to my trash man who sees it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, any other sport, golf or bowling or football, the longer you've done it, the longer you've been in love with it. It's yeah. like, man, the more respect they give you. right? And yeah. But for some reason in our business, you know, I get so angry sometimes when people that don't even know me tell me that I need to, I need to quit. You know, I right. told people about Rick Flair's last match. I said, yeah. "What do y'all think Rick should be doing? Working at yeah. Walmart?
3: Right. I mean, <laughs> right. let Rick get in that
0: ring as many times as he wants to." Right. So I mm-hmm. just tell people, and I tell Tessa this every day, Tessa Blanchard. I said, "The joy that you have inside of you don't let, don't ever let anybody take that away from you." Yeah, and people say, "Yeah, that's caused this, and that's caused that." And I said, "Oh, no, listen, I'm serious. I, I I have been lied to. I've I've had more bad checks wrote to me. I've had uh, more." <laughs> You know, payoffs stink in our business. But I promise, I tell these young kids at our shows that tell me they got to leave early because they got to work in the morning. Yeah, right. (laughs) Just shut up. You know, (laughs) if I do a battle royal, you're going to be here 10 more minutes. So be quiet. But I just let them leave. You know, I thought, guys, you missing it. You're really you're really missing what this business, you know, is about. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't beg them to stay as many times. My my daughters, I got twin daughters who have their, you know, they're 30 years old now, but every now and then they'll show me their little finger and it's got a little cut in it. And they said, You remember when we were eight and you made us help you set that ring up in that field and you smushed my finger? And uh, I said, Okay, honey, I remember that. Okay. They ain't going to let me forget that so, many times. I've been there setting that ring up by myself, and I've loved every minute of it. That's and awesome, man. You
2: know, you were you were talking about the GCW guys, and I and I do want to put them over because uh, at Ric Flair's last match, I, I was in the bunkhouse battle royal, and um, I wanted to get the hubcap in, you know, for, before I got. Right. And when when uh, Bubba Dudley, when he told it was it was me, him, and Sin were the were the producers or whatever. And when we told you know the the group said, okay, so Wolfie wants to get the hubcap in, who wants to do it? Every single one of those GCW guys, I mean, shot their hands up in the air, shaking their hands <laughs> like in school, like me, 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 me. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's, that's pretty cool, man. You know. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that.
3: Yeah. You know, uh, so,
0: Sandman, at uh, WrestleCade, uh, Cade, we did a, a celebrity battle royal, and Sandman come up to him, and he said, George, he said, there's 30 guys out there. He said, you're the only one I trust, and I'm going to let you throw me out. And I, I've never been so nervous in my life, right? I got Sandman. I'm getting ready to eliminate. But yeah. I laughed. He said, yeah, I don't know none of these other guys. He said, I'm going to let you throw me out. So I
3: laughed.
2: But I laid him out gentle, you know, very gently. Right. Well, That's George, what do you got? Uh, we're, we're getting low on time here. I want you to be sure you can plug everything. So what do you got coming Thank up, you. man? That you want people to know about? Uh, any anything you want to plug?
0: Well, yes, sir. Thank y'all so much. You know, I wrote my uh, my life story. My good friend Mark James, who wrote Dutchman Tales book and and several others years ago, he wrote my yeah. life story. And great book, man. Yeah. I tell you, it's still doing great. And and they can all go to georgesouth dot com. That's old school nowadays, but. Yep. That's just my simple website, and i got a number on there for my wrestling school. Uh, we try to update it with the upcoming dates. Mm-hmm. Uh, November will be the huge, huge WrestleCade event here in uh, Winston-Salem that we've done for 15 years. You know, over 300 of the boys uh, will be there. It's like four days, and, and GCW is actually going to be a big part of that. I got to, I got to work Great Muda there awesome. uh, a couple That's years awesome. ago. Yeah. But buddy, listen, <laughs> hey, I ain't washed my face yet. <laughs> was he? Hey, well, I'm wearing that green paint Till it wears off, okay yes. That green mist yes. and You say, man, wash your face? I said, let me explain to you who this I'll be in a restaurant Let me explain to you where this green mist comes from Okay, right. the great mood okay? But right. so, <laughs> man, what an honor, you know uh, yeah. to, to, to do those little moments I always call them God moments Because you can't explain it no other way right. yeah. Rick Frey wrote about me in his book Said I was his favorite guy to beat up You know the, the WWE comes out, comes out with this encyclopedia, Jimmy. It's the biggest book I've ever seen in my life. It's bigger than your coffee table. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, on like page 300, there's a picture of George South. Yeah. Now, listen, buddy, I ain't nothing but an old wrestling fan that that still loves it. And for me to be able to hold on to that encyclopedia and give my kids. And, and, yeah. and here's my last story, guys. I know we got to go, but the other night, there's this young kid, right? In the dressing room. The, and You could tell he loves the Hardy boys, right? He's got that look. And I look over and he's putting duct tape. Now, listen Uh, to me, Jim. He's putting duct tape on his arms. Like Jeff Hardy, right? So I go over there and I said, hey, brother. I said, you know, I know you don't know me. I said, but why don't you just cut up a sock? I said, it's probably going to be cheaper, you know, for (laughs) your sleeve. And it's probably going to hurt a lot less when you take it off. (laughs) Right. And you know what he tells me? He said, oh, no. He said, if I cut up a sock. And put it on my arm. He said, everybody's going to think I'm a big mark.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: well, but he, I said, brother, what do you think we all are? Right. Okay? Right. You're standing here with, with 10 pounds of duct tape on your arms, <laughs> and you don't think that's being a mark? But he just didn't get it. Right. So I love Jeff Hardy. I, you know, and here's something I'm going to do, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> Every time I see one of the boys, like Magnum T.A., I just told Magnum T.A. how much I loved him. And what I'm so proud of, and I've just done it all these years, is like Terry Taylor, I'm still in touch with those guys. I was able to tell Animal how much I loved him and thanked him. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dennis Condry, every day I, I thank him because I tell them that they bought a lot of groceries for my family. And nobody yeah. understands that, but when Midnight was against rock and roll and they were we were selling out everywhere we went, George South was in the first match,
3: Yeah.
0: okay, against Eddie Brown or Joel Deaton or somebody like that. And so I got to partake of that table, if that makes sense. Yeah. You see? Is. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was not in the main event, but I always appreciated what Dennis and Bobby and Stainville, all those guys did for me. They helped me raise a family. Are you kidding yeah. me? And how in the world can, you know, when, when the first guy that bought my life story, Jim, the first thing he said was, you know, I loved it, but there was nothing dark. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I said, Jeez. what are you talking about? He said, well, you know, I thought I'd read some good, like, dark stories. Man. I said, brother, you better go get another book, because you ain't going to find it in mine. Right. Because I, I, there's so much good happened to 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 me in professional wrestling. I've met so many great... You know, Wolfie, I got to hold Wahoo McDaniel's hand yeah. a week before he died oh, in man. a hospital. I mean, man. here's this chief, toughest man I ever met in my life, and And oh my gosh, New York Jet linebacker, you know, and and to hold his hand. I mean, you, oh my gosh, people think I'm going to be sad, right? No, some old guy called me old. I'm going to go to his house. (laughs) I'm sorry, God, thank you, man. I didn't mean to keep running my mouth. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, hey, one more thing—we can't not bring this up because our old buddy Insane Shane, Mr. Shane Martin, he's got a George South action figure coming out soon. Yes, he does. Can you tell us a little bit about the process on that? We love. Buddy, Shane. He's I'm a telling good buddy,
3: you. know.
0: Oh, he, I love him so much. You know, my whole life, I, I like I said, I've been, you know, I've been on a, you know, there's a wrestling ring to Hasbro soul with Ultimate Warrior clotheslining me. Yeah, on the front of it, you know what yeah. I'm saying. He, warrior knocked me out and then cussed me I out because I couldn't get back up to take another <laughs> one. You know, <laughs> but I'm on that toy box. So all them little gifts that have happened to me all these years, and that I've yeah. never had a wrestling figure. Yeah. And I don't care who you are in our business, you, you, it's cool to have one, especially with yeah, your kids. And and so Shane, I had never met him, man. He contacted me, and man, what a what a tremendous guy. And I'm not just saying that because he's working. You right. know, on he just making a figure that looks like me. He's he's letting me have every detail on this thing.
3: Yeah, and
0: and for example, real quick, well, he asked me about the midlandic patch. There was mm-hmm. an old midlandic patch uh that was the logo of Midland Racing for years, and I've got it on my boots, and it's very small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he asked me the first day. He said, "Can you get us a good picture of that patch?" Mm-hmm. And to me, that that made me a friend for life that he cared enough about that small patch that's going to be on this action figure yeah. of me that and i trust him yeah. and so well i told him man i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that we outsell i don't want to do that sell the hurry boy dog okay yeah. that's all i'm gonna do <laughs> right <laughs> no totally and so we're excited i mean it's a long process right uh, and and i'll keep everybody updated you know on my website uh, website and facebook but man to be able to to, to see this thing, and, and, and then they're going to put my jacket, my old claw glove that, you know, Black Jack Mulligan gave me.
3: That's uh, awesome. I mean,
0: people look at that and think I just cut an old glove up. I'm thinking, right. uh, if you knew how much this glove was worth, you'd shut yeah. up. Okay? Yeah, yeah,
3: uh, yeah. absolutely.
0: So, so what a special, and, and just for Shane to take time, that's what I'm trying to explain to everybody, just for him to take time. He's got a family. He's, he's busy, but for him to take time to, to, to to bless me with this, I'm going to make sure that this thing does real good for him. So I, I appreciate you for mentioning that,
1: buddy. Of course, can't wait to. I'm going to hold George South in my hands, y'all. So <laughs> you
0: are, buddy. Hey, <laughs> I tell my enemies, hey, just buy it as a voodoo doll. Right there, you go. I'll <laughs> sell you the <laughs> pen separate. Okay, that's genius. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Hey,
2: bro. I
0: won't sell <laughs> one of that old man. said I was old.
2: <laughs> George we uh we uh really 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 appreciate you coming on with us man uh like I said we've been thank talking you. about getting you on here for a while and uh I'm I'm glad it finally happened it's an honor and a pleasure uh to to listen to you talk and Jimmy look how good I did I did not say one cuss word this entire time <laughs> Let me tell you George I did that just for you I watched my- Oh, I appreciate I that, my I plan. I the, uh, you my friend thank you so the, much uh, a potty mouth sometimes. And, uh, well,
0: well, I, and I about did when I got you on the phone telling you about that old guy that called me old, <laughs> you know, you had, you had to tell me to not
2: cuss. Okay. So, I, man, I, hey, again, we, we really appreciate you, it. Buddy. Everybody uh, go to George's website, check out his stuff, check out his merchandise, go to WrestleCade wherever George is going to be. Uh, thank super. Nice, uh, and, uh, like I said, we appreciate you having you on here. Uh, Jimmy, after this, what are we coming back with?
1: we've got some ask Wolfie D anything. Oh Lord, George, just, you know, oh, keep man. us in your prayers, brother. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to, as soon as we finish, I'm going to pray for you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you.
0: Thank you Thank both you so much, man. I love it. Thank you. All right. Thank yeah, you, Have George. a good day, George.
1: Thank you both. Thank you guys so much. All Take right. Care, everybody. We'll be back. DJ hit the music. All right. We are back with Ask Wolfie D Anything. And again, how cool is George? Seriously.
2: Super, super cool. I, I don't think we could put him over enough, man. We really appreciate him coming on. Um, like we said earlier, man, just uh, cool. What a great conversation. And you were right. The hair story was good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know that's that's smart.
1: <laughs> I mean it is dude, making money the best money you can and he was he noticed that hey I can grow hair, you know. All right, <laughs> had it's finest, right? There. It is truly that. Yeah, you know the the funny story about you talking to him about taking off his jacket and just yeah. milking it. Um, that is a, a lost art,
2: kids. Yeah, Seriously. Absolutely. absolutely. I
1: yeah, mean,
2: I'm, yeah. Uh, uh, when I like I said earlier, when I saw him doing it, I was just like, ah, "Okay, this guy definitely gets it." Now I understand <laughs> why he's had the career that he's had because he didn't he didn't have to do nothing and he had him in the palm of their
1: hands. So. What is that? What is that? I've I've heard you say it. I've heard other people say it to where you're getting heat without a bump. You know, you're basically yeah. you, you don't have to take a bump to get heat, and if crowd's probably wanting to kill him and
2: yeah yeah, it's so it's, good. We used to call it Shakespeare. You know? Shakespeare. Nobody- Nobody uses that word that much anymore, but that's a that's part of Shakespeare right there.
1: That's a great term, too. I love that. It makes so much sense, actually. So, yeah. All right. Well, we got some Ask Wolfie D Anything. And the very first one, I want to get out of the way here real quick. Again, this is James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> I want to ask you a question, Wolfie. Can you tell the story, who trained you?
2: <laughs> yes. So we'll go over this again. Uh, there seems <laughs> to be some discrepancies here. And uh, I think uh, some people f- feel slighted that uh, I tell the story the way I do. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put it all out there like I always do, man. So at 15 years old, I find out that Rick Reynolds r-i-c-k-r-e-y-n-o-l-d-s rick reynolds the medic dan uh did i say his name enough forsaken
5: uh, too yeah. <laughs> forsaken
2: you know he was a friend of i've known the dude since i was like eight years old man and uh you know him and my stepdad were i found out they were going to train with gypsy joe Yeah. And I literally, literally cried to my stepfather to take me with him because he didn't want to take me. He didn't want to take me, you know. Him and Rick were adamant about no, not till you graduate school. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that's probably going to be never. Not that I <laughs> get grades, but I just, you know, some people, uh, school's not for them sometimes. But sure. anyway, I have a GED by the way. Um, So anyway, uh, they take me and Rick had showed me some stuff in the apartment and, and things like that. And he was, you know, kind of the one that like he got me in the door more than Pete did. Okay, Yeah. So they take me to the to the barn that I've always talked about out in West Nashville with the carpet and the stink and the nastiness. And Gypsy Joe was in the ring training. Pete and Rick, uh, working out with them, whatever you want to call it. And that was my first time in a ring. And Joe was the instructor. Um, so without without being uh, – and, and, man, I, I, I love Rick to death. And I know that he feels like when people ask me this question, why do I not say he trained me? Because as I got along in the business further and further, I realized, hey, if, if you're still being trained by somebody – how can <laughs> Joe was the one showing me the stuff in the ring and telling me what to do, showing me flying head scissors and everything I would do. I would get it pretty much just like that catch sure. on quick. So I didn't spend months in the ring with gypsy. I didn't spend months in the ring with Rick. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a few times where we all went and whatnot. And you know, like I said, Rick showed me stuff on the side, but a lot of my training was hands on. They put me in the ring and I just started learning by working with the people I was working with. Yeah. And, Got some lucky breaks, and by God, I got some breaks that I deserved, and uh, I think I earned every bit of it. But uh, you know, to say, um, you know, and I always put Rick over, so I'm not sure why um, he feels so slighted about it. But to me, if if Gypsy Joe, who had been in the business forever and a day at that point, even uh, is is running a workout session, a class, whatever. Uh, with my stepdad and him and I joined in and, and he's basically telling or Joe's telling everybody what to do. Uh, how can I not say that, that Joe trained me? How can right. I not say that? I can say that Rick helped get me in the door and I can say that he helped show me stuff. But as far as, as far as, you know, the first wrestler wrestler, you know, with a, with a name that was in the ring with me was Gypsy Joe. So, again, you know, me and you have talked about this privately. It seems to be, you know, we were talking about this earlier, too, like people wanting to come on the show and your show or this show. And I don't want anybody out there to feel slighted or that I think I'm better than anybody or or stuff like that. Me and you do this because we like wrestling. And I like to talk about wrestling and some of the stories and things like that. But at the same time, there's people that have run shows and because – I had made it to the USWA and then on to the to the national you know level and all that stuff. Didn't want to book me anymore because I started out with them and they felt like they should pay me the same thing they did as when I started. No, that's not. It's a business. It's an absolute business. I learned that early on. And as far as the podcast goes, I'm gonna need you to uh, be somebody that I think is gonna get us some numbers and say. Show, you know, so I don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt. I, I love all these guys, man. Or I thought I did. <laughs> I thought they liked me too. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a little heat over it, but it's it is what it is, man. It, it won't be the first time somebody uh you know uh, had heat with me or whatever. I mean, it is what yeah. it is. And I love I love Rick Reynolds. He was good to my family. Uh, I, I love all these guys that have been on your shows. There's there's not anybody that I can think of that I go, oh, God, he's a prick. I don't want him on my show. Sure. Uh, it's it's just you know we're we're trying to do something here and if i feel like uh you're gonna help me i'll bring you on here and we've kind of made it where yours was kind of a testing ground to see how good some of that was going to do and you know then we brought the wild boys on here and they did good so you know it's not to say that uh we're we're trying to be I am I'm, I'm not trying to big time anybody but uh you know whatever it is what it is I've been in the wrestling business over 30 years and it's not the first time that's happened to me so whatever
1: well okay so just to kind of beat the dead horse here just real quick
3: mm-hmm.
1: now you know some people in training let's say like somebody who trained under Harley Race or somebody mm-hmm. and then they've got their guy that's in the ring and Harley's by the apron you to, to 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 just clear all this up, you and Joe actually touched though, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there were there were times that you were in the ring with Joe and you're actually touching, and literally he's showing you, Wolfie, you do this, you you know. Yeah. And now you probably did that also with Rick. You also did that with probably your stepdad too. But yeah. also at the same time, you know, you were actually touching Joe. And yeah, yeah okay. I just you know I don't want to leave anything. Unsaid and yeah, misunderstood, you know. So, and if if anybody's got their feelings hurt over that, I
2: apologize. This is a story. that's my story, and that's the way I see my story. Um, especially like I said, getting later on in the business, figuring out okay, you can't really call it that, you know, if if you yourself are not really finished with training, you know. So, yeah. I don't, Sorry, I love you, Rick.
1: <laughs> devil's advocate. Rick loves you, too. Devil's, you know, I'm sorry, literal devil's advocate because he was one of the devils. But yeah, <laughs> devil's advocate. Also, you know, I'll say this. My side of things, I've heard you mention Rick many times and give him credit for your training. So for sure, you know,
2: I put him on my documentary. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I, I'm not sure how it was edited, uh, but he was definitely interviewed for it. So if I didn't think that highly of him, I definitely wouldn't have had him on my documentary. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Rick's coming up on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling podcast, <laughs> July 6th. <laughs> segway, segway. <laughs> Rick's a great guy. We had a great interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. But – That, I think, answers that. I just kind of wanted to ask that question and let you have your ultimate say on that. So anytime you ever need to wonder who trained Wolfie D and how it happened, you heard it from the horse's mouth right there. So, okay. Our very next question, this one's interesting because I've actually never heard this. Man, you may have even brought it up on the show, but I don't remember it because I've literally edited every bit of this. But So, listener Ben Martin on Facebook, always one of my guys come through with great questions. He actually is studying the year of 1995-1996 USWA, so he probably knows everything as good as anybody right now. And so, he was curious if Wolfie D would tell the story about he and or Randy Hales lose Using double J's cowboy hat while you were going to a town have you heard that <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't lose it I made sure it didn't get lost uh, okay okay so so what happened was what had happened was <laughs> you know we had all went out and and Jeff had his uh his hat box it was blue you know cowboy hat box look like a little yeah. dog sort of thing yeah and it, in randy's car and let's just say i left the establishment that we were at and uh uh, had an accident and i wrecked randy's brand new 95 cadillac and i knew i couldn't uh i couldn't sit by and wait for the police to come on that one so to, <laughs> to, keep, to keep jeff out of trouble basically without identifying you know if they would have opened that up and saw it they would have know you know because it was in memphis and they would have been oh that's double j's hat so i had the wherewithal the, the 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 brains about me i guess to to grab that hat box and take it with me and i from one, basically one side of Memphis to the other. It took me hours. No one would pick me up. I mean, it was the middle of the night and I didn't get back to the hotel that we were at until daylight. And somebody actually, I mean, I'm serious. It was like a mile or two from the exit I was going to. Somebody <laughs> finally picked me up and I'm oh, telling you, I walked hours bro and if anybody knows memphis and knows how big the loop is a 240 something like that i can't remember but it's it's a long ways so uh yeah so i grabbed his hat and uh then i got back to the hotel and i told him what happened and uh me and randy went back over there and right when we got there there was an officer there and i don't remember what randy told him but uh Nothing happened, so. But I'm <laughs> sure that Jeff didn't get in trouble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. So you've got his hat, and you're carrying it across Memphis. Yeah, yeah, sure. Did. Anything else with you, or just the hat? Just the hat.
2: Wow. There was no bags in the car, or anything like that. Those were at the hotel room. For okay. whatever reason, he left his hat box in the back seat.
1: Man, you and and so this is the yes. this is the WWE hat. This is the yeah the one with the two red Js on. It. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro! <laughs> oh, dude, you need that hat. I think you deserve that hat. Now, <laughs> God knows where it is. It's probably in Hendersonville somewhere. But you deserve the double J hat, dude. Oh, oh man. <laughs> That's why I got a job in DNA. I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe so. Hey. There hey. So that walk was worth it. And by the way, you were probably in better shape, you know, to walk as far as your 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 injuries that you have currently. Yeah. yeah hopefully it wasn't as bad, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, that's a great question, Ben. Thank you so much. I like Ben so much he asked another one here. So <laughs> ben martin from facebook once again part of the intelligentsia yes i might have made that up but anyway he said i'm watching 1996 uswa and i've just started running shows at the big one expo center okay Uh he says what were wolfie's thoughts on the venue and was it a glorified flea market as lawler called it
2: uh, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we all, you know, nobody wanted to leave the Coliseum and go to that. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I think it hurt Memphis. It was the beginning of the beginning of the end, really, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. We take the Coliseum out of it. It's like, it's like taking Lance out of it. It's like taking Lawler out of it. It's like, right. you know, it's kind of part of the deal, uh, the nostalgia and the, the history there. So yeah, nobody really liked it. And, uh, uh I, I mean, I really don't know how else to say that other than we all knew mm-hmm, yeah, this kind of sucks, <laughs> but it yeah. what it, you know, time.
1: So when you were in Nashville, it was at the fairgrounds, would you yeah. compare this to the fairgrounds or was it not even that?
2: Oh, hell no. It was like, it was bigger, but it was, uh, it was, uh, like the area that was not used was a whole lot of area. So it was flat. Gotcha. Uh, You know, there was no risers or anything like that. Just the atmosphere wasn't the same, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's totally, I mean... The National Fairgrounds, the, the building that got tore down, the sports arena, uh, had one of the best atmospheres to me ever, and uh, you know, especially when it was packed out back in the day. But nah, man, the big one, uh, you know, it just it was what it was, and nah, it wasn't that g- glorifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, I just can imagine Lawler saying that, so that's pretty hilarious, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so like, it's it's like taking the WWE out of Madison and Square Garden, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I think that was, a,
2: uh, if I remember correctly, I think that was a Larry Burton thing. I'm pretty sure he was there at that
1: point, and that was... Gotcha. With him. Cost-cutting cost measure, maybe, or... Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well... Somebody like Randy,
2: obviously, would know better than I on that case. <laughs>
1: yeah all right well thank you for that question ben as always and thank you wolfie for that awesome answer the double j hat box is by far that that's a great story man you but anyway well that's all i got for ask wolfie d anything so take it over wolfie d
2: well, again, thank you, everybody, and uh, like I said, I hope there's no hard feelings with some of these folks out there, uh, wrestler-wise, promoter-wise, whatever, man. We're just doing our thing over here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I like everybody. No, I don't. I don't like everybody, but uh, most a of lot got- of a
1: lot of people you do. <laughs> We did have a blast with the Wild Boys, man. That was a great episode. We we had a lot of fun. Ben and Steve, definitely. If you haven't listened to that, and I don't know why, but go back and listen to that for sure, because excellent, excellent episode. And, you know, about seven, about two more thousand of y'all go listen to Kevin Lawler so we can get (laughs) him up near Jamie. (laughs) 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 Wow. Anyway. Yeah.
2: So. Jamie and Kevin would be our best episodes listener wise. <laughs> yeah, the amount of time too. They want wait. You know, Jamie's had a little bit of extra time uh, to get on there and saturate.
1: So sure sure but the sons of the two man it's crazy to think about you know bill and bill and jerry jamie and kevin it's awesome you know obviously we would have had brian a million times over had he not passed but you know long story short man it's it's cool to see that you know so maybe we are the preeminent memphis podcast who knows (laughs) who could be who knows (laughs) kind of sounds like it (laughs)
2: um But yeah, we appreciate y'all once again listening. And sometimes we give you a sneak peek, but I have no sneak peeks for next week. So I've got to figure that out. Jimmy and I (laughs) will probably hang up here in a minute and talk about it. So uh, we'll see if we can get somebody on here that don't hurt anybody's feelings.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: All right, um, guys. Tune in next week, please. Uh, and, And don't hate me. Love all y'all. And we'll talk to you next week on Live and in Color Wolfie D.
1: And now a word from our sponsor.
4: it's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show.
0: This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube
2: channel. The fuck in sport. He's going to tell you all about it. He doesn't care. Watch him! You- you're gonna hear
5: all about
4: So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, They can find me on Facebook. Uh, My personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at Warren Wolf 13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at Live Wolfie D. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie?
2: Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you
4: know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in uh, from the bottom of my heart I really appreciate First of all The work you've done For this podcast You have worked your butt off Secondly The people that are liking the page Beyond that Even more Is the people that are listening And we really appreciate that Yeah and remember guys The podcast drops a new episode Every Monday at noon And our past episodes Are streaming now On demand On all major podcast formats Thanks again I got a cat For you
3: don't he got a cat For you don't I got
5: a and here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging. Don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving in color. Don't rush, your mother. Utilize a hubcap. Unlike any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G. Plus the one in the three. In case you forgot. They call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tied us up taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping. Wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop. Been doing it like this since 92. low for a while and you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've This shit's so sick, it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, there. there's no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks than over one or I'm not here to play games, so you better be mad. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When i finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up, then I'm driving it home. It's Rudy D, baby. I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your
1: dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.